0: This past Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, I had a very strange mission. I was invited by the Jewish Chaplains Association to go speak um, down in Miami for a day. Invited me to go down to Miami for a day to speak to not the Jewish chaplains of the armed services, but to speak to the lay leaders who voluntarily become chaplains because there aren't enough chaplains. To support the 25,000 Jews who are in the United States military in all of its branches, and so service men and women, people who are both in active service or might not have ever been in the army or in any of the military, voluntarily become rabbis, as it were. No matter how much training they have, they just jump in. Whether they have like an an aleph bet, a gimel, they have you know three letters or whole words. There they are, responsible for, let's say, from anywhere from two to maybe a couple hundred people who are on the base, who are asking them all kinds of rabbi questions. <laughs> They're expected to stand up here like this and do a service. They have no money allocated for them appropriately. They usually spend money out of their own pockets for things like challah and everything. Just a little note to the Romo community, we can sponsor, like for Bra- we can sponsor challah and other yummy things for people. It's a remarkable day. And I'll be processing it for a long time, just, just what I learned. And one of the things that, that they invited me to speak about was the power of Judaism to build resilience. Judaism's core spiritual curricula for resilience. You can imagine that resilience is an important quality when you're in the armed forces. It's an more quality in life, but certainly being able to access and source yourself and the ability to adapt and withstand situations that would otherwise make it impossible to go on and still go on is a vital quality in being a part of the armed forces. And I didn't share with them this particular this particular practice, or particular insight. But it was something that emerged from another military moment this week, where a friend of mine sent me a video of somebody named David Goggins. I don't know if anyone, anyone heard of David Goggins. He's an ultra marathoner, ultra extreme athlete who was kicked out of the military and wanted desperately to get back in And more than that, he wanted actually not only to be a part of the military, but he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, which is the most difficult and most venerated part of the military. His brother apparently was in the SEALs and he was 300 pounds and had three months to get down to 190 in three months. And the person that sent me the video, actually, the video was of another person trying out what David Goggins had done in order to achieve that goal. It's an unbelievably ridiculous workout. I don't recommend it for anyone. It's actually quite dangerous. I don't know if it would build resilience or just complete cardiac arrest. It was so difficult though, that it was hard for this person who was imitating, mimicking this great ultramarathoner to get through even like each and every piece of it started at four in the morning, with two hours on the bike. That was just the beginning. There was another two hours on the bike later at night, there were two hours in the swimming pool, and then three hours working out on 800 calories. So trust me, it wasn't great. But what got this guy through the day, and he said, I'm only doing it for one day, one day, this yom, this day, was that every time he wanted to quit, he said to himself, if Goggins did it, why not me? If he can do it, he might be superhuman, he might have skills, he might have something in his back pocket, he might have a secret, but why not me? It was remarkable to watch him because he actually videotaped himself giving up and then hearing him out loud say, why not me, and then keep going. His ability to source himself in some model, someone who was clearly stellar, someone who was clearly successful, who would achieve something rem- remarkable, and inwardly to picture himself and say, I could be like that. If he did it, so can I. Now, he did it for a day. He didn't do it for three months. But it was a remarkable moment for him to imagine and use his imaginal capacities to give himself resilience and give himself the strength to be able to find a resource. That he otherwise would not have just that simple switch that simple capacity to bring to mind a model or an image of someone that you might emulate or someone that might inspire you and have it not judge you but lift you not put you down, but bring you up. Often in our culture, we have images and models of people all around that we compare ourselves to that don't do anything good for us on any level. Ideals of health, ideals of image, ideals of bodies, ideals of you name it, run the list. Comparing ourselves to others is part and parcel of the way that we stay imprisoned. But in one other valence, it actually frees us from our self-imposed limitations, our own tapes, our own narrowness. David Goggins said in one of his videos that I watched, when you think you can't go on, that's about 40% of your capacity. Okay. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, in tomorrow morning's Torah reading begins parashat Re'eh, which is always read at this time of the year and almost always coincides with the beginning of the month of repair, of tshuva, of lifting. Begins, Re'eh Anochi, no se'en lethneichem ayam Anochi, take a look. Moses says, Anochi, I'm giving you. Today the blessing and the curse. Today I give you the blessing and the curse. ree. a very strange word. ree Moshe telling the people to take a look. Re and then immediately followed by the strange word used to describe his own subjectivity, his own I anochi. This re'e, anochi, which could be read again. See si, anochi noten. I'm giving you the juxtaposition of that and read as. Re'e Anochi, see Anochi, see me, see this I. When that is coupled together with the grammatical form of Re'e, which is singular and the end of the verse, which is the plural, lends itself to Darshan, to explanation for interpretation. And the Chaim HaKadosh, of Chaim Ibn Atar in the 16th century wrote this. He says, Moshe speaks to them in the first person saying, Re'e Anochi, look individual Anochi, I, he says, look at me because I am in you. He quotes the Rama Maimonides in the Hilchot Shuvah and the laws of return, who writes, Yachol Adam atzmo Moshe Every person can become like Moshe. Everybody can say to themselves, if Moshe did it, why not me? It's a bit of a a stretch because, more than not, we tell people that they can't be like Moshe. There won't be like Moses. There was no one like Moses. Moses is the supreme prophet. And yet, Rambam Maimonides says that when it comes to doing tshuva, when it comes to doing, repairing the world, you can, you can hope up David Goggins and Moshe Rabbeinu and have that image. A, see Anochi, see me in your eye. When you think you can't withstand even a moment's more regret about where you are in your life remember that moshe was disconnected from his family for years and didn't know that they even existed probably when you think that there's no way for you to make repair because no they'll never ever hear me they won't pick up the phone they won't read my letter it will never happen don't forget that moshe went through the desert with the people he made all kinds of mistakes and we're still reading his book today, when you think that you can't go on, when you think that it's impossible to even start because the journey is just too big, remember that Moshe was not a young guy when he became the chosen prophet. Maimonides says over and over again in Hilchot Shuvah, use Moses as your model. Imagine him when you think that Tshuva is too difficult, when you can't repair what's been broken, when you think that this is not the year because it's just gonna be like it was last year and it will be this thus forever in a Sisyphusian battle against the inevitable. No, remember, re, Anohi, Moses says, think about me. And Maimonides says, think about Moses because guess what? You can be like Moshe. It's a high bar, folks. It's a high bar. But it's a, it's a moment of motivation and chizuk, of strengthening us. Because the work of tshuva is not for the, the faint of heart. It's so easy and painful, but still easy in the sense that we can avoid discomfort by avoiding doing tshuva. We can always entertain ourselves with the notion that, yeah, so what? So I never said goodbye. And so what? So I never realized that dream. So what? And it's also too complicated. The rabbi can't know how complicated my tshuva story is, and that person can't. Tshuva is so idiosyncratic, there is no rhythm to it, so mine will take the next 10 years. Who cares? Erachaim says no. Remember that inside each and every one of you, as the Zohar says, there's a little bit of Moshe in you and in me, there's a little bit of greatness, there's a little bit to give us strength. He goes on to say that Moshe is a model of somebody who knew the heights and he knew the depths. If you're gonna say that Shuva is only for people who are poor, Moshe, had nothing at one point in his life. If you're going to say that it's only for people who are angels like Moshe, he wasn't always an angel. It's really remarkable, Torah. This Torah of Re'e Anochi. These last words just really struck me so hard. Perush ki ilu matzmo. He, Moshe was speaking to the Jewish people and it was as if he was speaking to himself, saying to each and every one of them, inside of each and every one of you is a little bit of me and a little bit of you is inside me. In the words that we were just chanting from Shashirin, Shir Shireen. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> the greatest source of resilience is our ability to imagine ourselves and imagine our lives. And for the sake of love, for the sake of connection, for the sake of that which we hold most dear, to conjure for ourselves the capacity to take one step forward, to repair one relationship, to make one gesture. It is definitely true. That after two years of this, as I wrote the sermon, I remember writing the top of the page, I wrote, I can't believe it's Elul again. Is it really Elul again? And I thought to myself, I probably write that every single year. <laughs> Has there ever been a year that I think to myself, Oh? Oh, Elul, I saw it coming. Yeah, it's fresh. I'm ready. It's all good, now it's at the end of September, how perfect, thank you God, wow, just what like we needed. It's never easy. There are relationships, there are things that have broken in the past year and years past that, that it's not easy to look at sometimes. And just when we wanna give up, just when we're exhausted, I can hear Moshe and David Goggins both saying you're at 40%. So as we begin our 40 day journey to Yom Kippur, this Shabbat, I wanna bless each and every one of you that whatever it is that you carry with you, the Elul that you carry with you each and every day of your week, the Elul work that you carry with you each and every month of every year, That God should give us all the strength to be able to do that work. That God should give us the strength to be honest and courageous. And when things are looking bleak, or we've forgotten how passionately we want to arrive at that place called tshuva, to conjure the image of yourself in your life, if that which you most desire has been accomplished. If those things that you most want to fix have begun to heal, may our imaginations and our collective actions bring about a better world for all of us and for the entire globe, please rise.